Hello, I am Mariana Campero, non-resident senior associate at the CSIS Americas program and host of CSIS's Mexico Matters podcast, a series highlighting key developments in Mexico and their impact on the United States. Our August 12th episode features former CIA director, General David Petreos, to discuss how current events in Mexico are affecting North American integration as well as the competitive profile of the United States as it competes against China and much more. To tune in, please listen to Mexico Matters on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or directly on our CSIS website. Thank you very much. Welcome to another episode of 35 West. My name is Margarita Seminario. I am the Deputy Director of the Americas Program at CSIS. How professional Mexican, but are we ready? I don't reform think. trends in Argentina. Right. And that's what no happened. role at all in the NAFTA negotiation. Welcome to 35 West. On July 7, Haiti's President Jovenel Moise was brutally assassinated. This created a power vacuum and threw the Caribbean nation into deeper turmoil. Today is August 2nd. We want to dedicate an episode of our 35 West podcast to understanding the current social and political crisis in Haiti, the electoral landscape, and the role key actors can and should play. And when we say key actors, we mean the current Haitian government, civil society, private sector, and international community the United States in particular. Our guest today is George Florial. George is a senior associate here at CSIS, a fellow with the Caribbean Policy Consortium, a member of the think tank Haiti Steering Group, and an adjunct faculty member at Georgetown's Democracy and Governance graduate program. George, it's truly an honor to host you today. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, happy to do this. Some of the words that come to mind when we speak of Haiti include corruption, armed gangs, lack of access to basic services, and weak governance. Haiti is, on a good day, very, very complex. George, help us understand the sociopolitical context in Haiti and the recent chain of events that were triggered by Jovenel Moïse's assassination. Maggie, you're right. Even on a good day, the situation in Haiti always gets rather complicated. I think the kind of the long view of the most recent tragedy on July the 7th highlights maybe three key issues. One is that, in effect, a domestic political consensus still does not exist. It is actually dragging out the outcome of the assassination, but also precedes it in the sense that since the 1990s, particularly since the collapse of the Duvalier dictatorships, there is in fact an absence of a working consensus among the various political and economic factions of Haitian society. And there are also as a result some conflicting expectations from the international community that has really lasted since, since the late 80s, early 90s, with sort of attempts at modern, if not always democratic governance, but always sort of a succession of disappointments. One of the key elements of that disappointment where the international community has also played an important role are a series of elections, which have only been in some ways the midway points towards another, another crisis. This has generated sort of a, a quasi-permanent 
international political and certainly economic presence and from time to time even peacekeeping presence. So that's sort of the, the, the frustrating backdrop, if you will, to the events of July the 7th. Clearly, the, the events themselves were a surprise, but in some ways, the backdrop to all this gives a sense that the country was in crisis and in some ways on a free fall towards a, sort of an uncertain outcome. Ariel Henry was confirmed as prime minister of Haiti on July 20. During his swearing-in ceremony, he said that, quote, the mission of this, meaning his government, is to prepare the conditions to hold elections as quickly as possible, end quote. Elections are scheduled for September 26. What are key highlights of the electoral calendar? Who are the actors to watch? And will there be a minimum conditions for free, fair, and transparent elections in Haiti? This is the electoral outcome and uh, is uncertain, but certainly this is an almost hopelessly confused uh, issue. And I'll, I'll say up front that, that the notion somehow that elections are going to be held on September the 26th is, is really highly unlikely, particularly because the calendar is more complicated than just national elections. In a rather audacious move uh, last fall, President Moise uh, launched two initiatives. One putting a calendar in place for delayed parliamentary and also ultimately national elections for some time this year, but also set in motion a constitutional reform process. There's no real discussion that the 1987 constitution needs some new tweaks and updates, but the process that was followed ultimately from the beginning made it highly not likely that it would have much credibility. Nonetheless, all of these efforts ultimately came together in a timetable which was delayed and delayed and now is September the 26th. Neither of those two are, are in effect likely to, to happen. There are some questions about the legitimacy, political legitimacy of the Electoral Commission, the Provisional Electoral Council. There are also some practical mechanical aspects to the process which are simply not in place, including voter registration, voter ID cards, which have been issued to some, but not all. There's estimates, maybe up to a fourth, maybe a third of potential voters actually have not received those cards. And then there are maybe some fatal aspects that are more serious, in, even more than that, which is one of them is insecurity, uh, either both for the voters as well as for the candidates themselves. Actually, no candidates have actually yet been registered as candidates. So the process really has not even begun. And then in some ways, uh, one could add that the COVID-19 pandemic has hit Haiti fairly hard. Most Haitians are not vaccinated. And as a result, there's sort of that additional layer, if you will, of public health, which makes it uh, not only unlikely, but almost suicidal to try to assume that the, the elections will be held on the 26th of September. George, under this condition, what is or what could be the role of the international community in the electoral process? And you know, what do these elections really mean to the average Haitian? Both the Organization of American States, to a lesser degree, the United Nations, also Caribbean community, CARICOM, private NGOs that have been active in Haiti in terms of electoral assistance, all have, have a potential role to play. It, it requires a number of things which really are not in place. For now, it requires a timetable, a confirmation from the Haitian government of what in fact is, is in fact the electoral calendar the government then has to invite those institutions from the outside to in fact play a role. And none of this is going to be happening anytime soon. 
The OAS and the UN also currently operate under a certain cloud of both distrust and skepticism from many Haitians, including political leaders. One is sort of decades of effort, which ultimately have not been institutionalized and ultimately leave nothing behind them, leading to most Haitians' sense that, that all of this effort has gone nowhere. Uh, this is particularly true in, most recently in connection with the constitutional reform for both the UN and to some degree the OAS, particularly the Secretary General of the OAS, have, have in effect been supportive of President Moise's effort for constitutional reform, a process that was viewed by many political leaders in large segments of civil society in Haiti as not being a credible process. It puts both of those institutions in something of a jeopardy. The UN clearly could play an important role in terms of providing electoral security. Uh, so that is an issue which all of them will have, will have to come into play. The practical aspect of all of this for the Asian voter has been seen in the two most recent cycles of elections, the 2010-2011 and the 2015-2016, where on average about somewhere between 18 and 22 percent of the voters, actually even the turnout, was so low that in effect what you have is one out of five Haitians decided it's not even worth voting since we vote and nothing ever happens, nothing ever changes. So there is in some ways an additional effort going to be required by the international community, including governments like the United States, in terms of rebuilding the notions that democratic governance actually delivers. A couple of weeks ago, George, I heard an interview you gave to The Voice of America. It caught my attention because you spoke of the opportunity to press reset. Tell us more about that. What do you mean by reset in the case of Haiti? The tragedy of July the 7th uh, could provide a moment where civil society, key political actors could actually drive through a political consensus in terms of how to govern Haiti and also in a short run, a calendar, a political timetable to govern Haiti through this transition period. Uh, it's not that there is an absence of, a, of civil society actors, there's an absence of a consensus. Even today, this week, as we speak, there are various efforts and announcements by different groups, but none of them coalesce into something that is ultimately viable. Civil society in its own cannot govern. It needs coalitions with key political actors. And the absence, in some ways, of a, of a mechanism by which to put all these pieces together is something that it's conceivable, and there are some noises about that that in the absence of a clear sense of how to push Haiti forward in the, in the wake of this tragedy, that this could lead some key actors to put the pieces together in, term, in terms of a reset. This is also important in the sense that the reset could also play a role in a more important sequencing of events. The constitutional reform process so far has been highly questioned by many people. Yet one could conceive of a situation if there was a consensus where you would reverse the order, elections, uh, uh, constitutional reform first and then election afterward. The drawback to that arrangement, obviously, is that it requires a firm commitment to a timetable, and a timetable doesn't drag on well into 2022. If nothing else, most of Haiti's international partners would become increasingly uncomfortable into a timetable that drags on not only for the remainder of this year, but well into 2022. So the reset is plausible and you keep hearing noises and indications that people are working on it, including the interim prime minister, but this is going to be a hard road ahead, no doubt about that. In this context, 
What is the best role that the Haitian government itself can play? There are two aspects to that. And the prime minister, the interim prime minister, Ariel Henry, is trying. There's a sense that he's reaching out to different sectors of the political community. You have a sense that he is trying to draw out the key elements of what a consensus government might look like and also confirming a calendar particularly for the elections and what to do about the constitutional referendum. I mean, those are priority issues. Without those agreements, in effect, Haiti is going to be basically rudderless. And this is not good for both Haiti as well as for Haiti's international partners. The other aspect is a more short-term one. And the United States can actually play an important role in this regard, which is to find a key resolution to what actually happened on July the 7th. The events are somewhat mysterious. There are a lot of allegations and rumors and investigations going in different directions, but clearly no one has, has a clear sense of what actually happened, who's behind it, who financed it. There's a certain layer of sort of amateurism to the episode itself, including this team of Colombian mercenaries that was found relatively quickly after the, the events themselves. In fact, some of them ended up in the, the embassy of Taiwan, of all places. There's a certain element to this which doesn't really add up into a coherent picture, but clearly something serious happened. And right now, this is all uncertain. And as long as that remains uncertain, this level of distrust uh, among key actors will continue. That needs to be addressed and addressed fairly quickly. How can the private sector and civil society play an effective role in sketching a path forward towards a more stable Haiti? Well, both sectors are actually uh, in some ways more vibrant than a sort of a distant vision of Haiti might suggest. Certainly in the last 20 to 30 years, both the private sector, including a modern private sector, a cosmopolitan private sector, uh, as well as a very active civil society have increasingly coalesced around different groups and organizations. The problem with civil society, as I've said a moment ago, is that it hasn't coalesced into a clear set of conclusions as to how to move the country forward. The miscellaneous competing ideas uh, that ultimately, in effect, cancel each other out so that ultimately there is no agreement. And I think this is, to go back to the idea of the reset, this is an important moment. Unless this somehow gets addressed, this is going to be a continuing component of, of any ability to come to a conclusion as to how to move Haiti forward. The private sector is in some ways also uh, the target of a lot of accusations. I think some of them are probably true, some of them less so. The, the notion somehow that that this was financed by a group of individual rich Haitians, somehow that rich Haitians always abuse the system. There is a layer of truth in all of that, but it comes a little too easy to assume that they are the source of all of Haiti's problems. I would add, however, and this is more of a note for inside Washington, inside the Beltway, which is there is unfortunately usually a trend, and we already are seeing it now, where wealthy Haitians do in effect hire lobbyists and ultimately multiply a series of messages that are less, less maybe business related as they are politically related to very, various audiences in Washington. What it ends up doing is providing a, an hopelessly confused vision of what Haiti really needs. And at times it also frankly influences policymakers, uh, including on Capitol Hill and others, uh, towards the wrong kind of conclusion or maybe distancing themselves from the Haitian issue because it sounds too complicated and implausible to understand. So I think the issue is there, but ultimately the Haitian private sector and civil society are vibrant and active, but in both cases they lack 
in effect, clear, distinct messages and ultimately a consensus view of what to do about Haiti. If you had the opportunity, George, to put together some bullets for the Biden-Harris administration, what would you highlight for them? I think there are three or four things which are particularly significant for the, for the Biden administration. The sad fact, however, is that until the events of July the 7th, the administration had in fact been somewhat passive, really with no clear vision about a situation on the ground which was clearly deteriorating for any serious observer. The events themselves, however, did trigger obviously a response and even that response was a bit evasive. The administration is now taking at least one decisive step, which is to name a special envoy, Ambassador Foote, who has some experience actually on the ground in Haiti, which is obviously helpful. I had called for that for several months. Uh, now that person is in place and hopefully provides at least a, if you will, a, a point of reference, particularly for Haitian interlocutors, to be able to direct attention and ideas to the United States government, as opposed to, in effect, what was happening until now is un unless the Secretary of State or let alone President Biden himself had some comments about Haiti, it was unclear exactly what U.S. policy was. Until June, in effect, the United States had continued, although with sort of absent-minded aspect to this, the policy of the Trump administration prior to it, which was to actually acquiesce to Moise's electoral and, and constitutional referendum calendar without really thinking about the consequences and the fact that large segments of Haiti's political community were opposed to that calendar. In June, so the Secretary of State did reverse the U.S. position on the constitutional reform but left it open as to what kind of support the United States would also provide for the election. So this rather vague, almost evasive aspect of U.S. policy hope will now change. The other aspect in some ways that the United States can play an important role is in providing much clearer sense of what is that actually the core aspect of what the United States would like to see with its sort of Haitian partners. And I'll go back and repeat myself. It needs to be much clearer as to what it expects in terms of a viable timetable and how we can support national elections and potentially a constitutional referendum. The sort of back and forth and evasive aspect to this, in effect, leads most Haitian actors to either assume that the United States doesn't care or really doesn't really have a preference. And therefore, Haitians will keep talking to each other but nothing is going to happen in anytime soon. So there's a sense, it's not the United States can force Haitians to do something, but at least Haitians need to know what Washington would prefer. This is maybe sort of on the sides, but also might be helpful for the United States to actually have in place a confirmed assistant sector of state for the Western Hemisphere. This is something that Congress perhaps could speed up because it, Haiti doesn't operate in a vacuum. Events in Haiti affect the neighboring Caribbean, including the Bahamas and Dominican Republic, and to some degree how to prioritize Haiti policy versus, let's say, what's happening in Cuba or elsewhere in the Western Hemisphere, I think is something that is also a bit, evas bit vague, unstructured. You give yet a sense that no one's quite in charge, and I think it's potentially a bit unfair, but as a public perception, I think are also important. So it would be helpful if there was a, a confirmed Assistant Secretary of State for the Western Hemisphere. And finally, not so much the executive branch, but the Congress, which has had in some ways a sharper view of the Haiti situation now for over a year and has been pushing the Biden administration to be more, more active. It recently created uh, the Congressional Haiti Caucus. It's in some ways 
more of a more a Caucasian name than actually it needs to energize itself into a more active role, particularly as a potential platform for Haitian voices of that might ultimately be looking for a place in Washington where they can, in some ways, publicly discuss some of their concerns and preferences of what they would like the United States and the international community to do to help them. And I think in some ways that caucus could play uh, an important role. So there's a lot to do, but some of the initial steps, as I said, the confirmation of Assistant Secretary of State, now that there is also a, a special envoy for Haiti, I think our, our steps in the right direction, but it's only the beginning. George, is there something that we did not cover, something else that you would like to add or highlight? Well, the, the two issues which in some ways can undermine everything that's positive that I might have said in the last few minutes. One is the level of insecurity in Haiti is very high. It's increasing. And it's kidnapping, sort of killings on an industrial scale, which affects all levels of society, whether you're wealthy, whether you're not. Entire neighborhoods of the capital city have been affected. People have been displaced or killed. Total impunity, no indication of who's behind it, although there's some sense of who the gangs are. About only all this is happening and there's no, there are no consequences. This has to somehow, the institutions of government and the international community have to come to grips with that. Because the electoral calendar and other political developments are in some ways at the mercy of this issue. And right now, even frankly, that's why the assassination of the president on July the 7th, there needs to be a clear explanation exactly of what happened and who's behind it. The second issue that I would remind our listeners is the Caribbean and hurricane seasons, unfortunately, go together uncomfortably. And this has affected Haiti in the past. And also hurricanes affect Haiti when it hits Haiti, but also affects Haiti when it hits neighboring countries, particularly the Dominican Republic and the Bahamas. Just a few years ago, there was a severe hurricane that came through the Bahamas. It led to a forced repatriation of many Haitians who live in the Bahamas with uncertain status back into Haiti. Same thing with the Dominican Republic. So these are kinds of events that ultimately can affect the region beyond just the politics and the economics of the country. And I think I would, as a result, when I hear there's a hurricane going through the Caribbean, I would want to keep an eye on how this ultimately may affect Haiti's already very complicated outlook. Thanks for joining us in 35 West. We appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you. My pleasure. For you, thank you again for joining. Stay tuned for the next episode of 35 West.